0: You are listening to an Elam Christian Centre podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Great to be here tonight, uh, and uh, great to be able to share with you guys. Uh, everyone feeling good after an extra hour of sleep last night. Got a daylight savings gain an hour. I decided to give give up my hour of sleep and get up and watch uh, Man United. Any Man United fans out there? No, uh, it wasn't worth it anyway. So don't wake up uh it's it's a shambles. Anyways, uh, but I get to preach tonight, which is cool. I'm, I'm sharing the second part of our uh, Journey to the Cross uh, series. And uh, and tonight, uh, last week we talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, and Him uh, there being there and praying. Uh, and today we're journeying a little bit further and we're looking at Jesus uh, being put on trial. We see Him as an innocent man, uh, but yet, yet carrying the, the weight of a condemned man, uh, an innocent man bearing the, the image of a condemned man and uh, so that he could take both the punishment uh, and, and the shame of our sin. And so that's what we're going to be diving in tonight. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done anything. Has anybody ever done anything that you were ashamed of? Anybody? few people okay uh, I'm sure we're not alone in this that we've all done something that we're ashamed of something that we wish we'd never have done something we wish that that uh, that maybe nobody would ever see or ever hear about uh, I, I don't know about you but I've, I've done a few of those things I've got one story for you tonight uh, I don't know if you guys remember um, a few years ago several years ago maybe now uh, there was this uh, Pokemon go craze you guys remember it Everyone was out there, everyone was out, you know, got to catch them all. You know, you got your phone out, you're trying to catch Pokemon, hatching eggs. If you drove your car slow enough, it would think that you're walking to hatch eggs faster. I I was in deep. Uh, And I I remember, I'm I'm confessing to you guys all now, you guys all look at me differently already. Um, I remember we were down in Wellington for a youth pastors gathering and there's several several us down there, and um, my good friend, uh, Pastor Adam Frost, Frosty, uh, we were in it together. We were both out there to catch them all, you know, uh, catch them Pokemon and uh, it was one of, the, one of the evenings, and both of our wives, um, Abby and Darcy, were down there too. And uh, uh, our girl, Sienna, she was very young, so she was still on a pram. And me and Adam, we decided we're going to go out in town uh, and catch some Pokemon. You know, or, or what else What else is there? I was, it was like the, maybe the middle of winter. I don't know, but it was really cold. It was so cold that we had one pair of gloves between us, and, and me and Adam were sharing a pair of gloves. One hand in the pocket, and then the only glove that you had was carrying your phone. We, we, were, we were out there, like late, late 20s, li- living our lives, <laughs> peak of our career, catching Pokemon. It was a good time. But let me tell you, we, we were the only people. There was so, I, mean, I remember the waterfront in Wellington, if you've been there, it was packed. There was people catching Pokemon. This is like at night. We were out on the town catching Pokemon. And uh, we had our wives in tow. I also had a child in tow. Uh, and there we were living our lives. And I remember we, we um, came across a whole bunch of other really enthusiastic Pokemon catchers. I remember we were chasing down one side street with some other group of people catching Pokemon. And then we came up uh, to another group and we were kind of having a conversation with them. And, and I said something like this, oh, we were kind of tr- you know trading our, our battle stories, you know, telling you know all the, all the amazing Pokemon we caught. And I said, oh, one of the people in our group uh, caught this, this certain Pokemon. It just so happened that one of these people that were in, my, in our group, just so it happened to be my wife with our baby. <laughs> and uh, I was maybe a little bit too ashamed to admit that uh, the one of the people was actually my wife and I was in my late 20s out here catching Pokemon with a whole bunch of kids. Uh, and uh, it would have been okay if I could have kind of lived that down, but unfortunately Frosty was in the same conversation with me and quickly picked up what had happened and then decided to, for the next days and years, retell the story to everybody who would be willing to listen. And so my story of shame and condemnation lived on through many times. And I don't know if you've ever had a situation like that where where there was something you did, maybe a shameful act, and and you kind of hoped and prayed that nobody would ever find out, let alone your story or your shame be announced to everyone who would listen. Have you ever been there? You know, we, we, we try so hard to kind of hide and cover up the things that we're ashamed of. You know, everything you do, you, you try and hide it, you try and cover it up, hoping, hoping that nobody will ever know. You've been, you been there before? Let's be honest, all of us have made mistakes, right? All of, the, all of us have done things that we're ashamed of, done things that we kind of maybe regretted, um, and we, we kind of would hope that no one would find out. And you know, the thing is, is that w- when you feel like you've done something wrong, you, you kind of feel like you should be punished, right? You kind of feel like, I'm to blame you. You think that if someone would, would find out, that they would begin to look at you differently. That if someone found out your secret, they would begin to see you differently. Right. And so we try and cover it up. We try and hide. We feel like if people knew, then nobody would accept me. You know the term for that judgment that kind of hangs over us is, is this term called condemnation. Um, and we, we feel condemnation is shame. You know, we feel it as the the condemnation is like is the the thought of I am guilty, uh, therefore I am deserving of punishment. But we feel that a shame, which is the the feeling of I am wrong, and if I'm exposed, I'll be rejected. Right? If I'm exposed, if people find out, they'll see me differently. If I'm exposed and people people know this thing about me, they won't want to be associated with me anymore. And, and as much as Shame, I think, is something that, is, that, that we, all, we all deal with, right? We've all probably experienced. The truth is that we're actually not designed to live with it. Right, right. We're actually not designed to live with it. And actually, part of what Jesus did on the cross was not only uh, bringing us forgiveness from the condemnation, but is also bringing us freedom from the shame. Right, right. Pretty amazing. Let me, let me explain. In, in our second part of the journey to the cross... Jesus has now been arrested. So he's confronted in the garden of Gethsemane as we learned last week and and then he's arrested and and he's put on trial. And so Jesus is brought by by the Jewish people the the religious leaders they bring him before Pilate. Uh, at the time uh, the Roman Empire was kind of governing gover, governing the province and the governor was named Pontius Pilate. And so they bring Jesus before this guy named Pilate. Um, and when the Jews bring him before Pilate, they're, they're attempting to get him condemned on political grounds. They're trying to say, hey, you know, like this Jesus guy, he's trying to be, you know, be this political leader, trying to stir up the people, he's trying to overthrow the, the Roman Empire. But the, the interesting thing is, is that that was the very thing that Jesus worked his whole earthly ministry not to be confused about. He, he was never wanting to be a political leader, and, and that's the charge they bring before him. And it's clearly not the real charge. It's clearly not the real reason that the Jews are bringing him, in. and and Pontius Pilate was kind of very aware of this. Uh, and so, actually, in Matthew twenty-seven, verse eighteen, it says that Pilate observed that it's actually about self-interest and envy that these leaders are bringing Jesus to trial. And so, there's no reason for us to question his assessment. He, you know, part of his role was to be a really good judge of character, and so. You know, as Matthew in the Bible records this, it kind of gives weight to the fact that actually these religious leaders were, uh, you know, bringing a false claim. And so, you know, Pilate, he was convinced that Jesus was innocent. He knew for a fact that Jesus was innocent. And actually three times he tries to declare that he finds no reason for Jesus to be condemned. Jesus is clearly here an innocent man. And, and Pilate, one, he wanted to avoid sentencing Jesus because he knew that he was innocent. But at the same time, he kind of was trying to sit on the fence. Right. He kind of wanted to appease these religious leaders. But at the same time, he like didn't want to you know, make an innocent man guilty. And so he tries to kind of release Jesus. First, he sends him to Herod, who is kind of the, the, you know, like the top dog above him, to kind of try and pass responsibility, you know, like just kind of pass it on. This isn't my problem. That doesn't work, so then he, he, he tries to compromise by having Jesus flogged, which means beaten, and then released, but the Jewish leaders still are happy, and he's like, you know, what's going on? Like, What evil has this man done? He's innocent, but the Jewish leaders keep insisting, and so thirdly, he tries to get the people to release him. He kind of remembers there's this, trans, this tradition that on a certain day, um, they would bring two people up, and they would choose one of them to be set free, and so Jesus gets brought up uh, with this other guy named Barabbas, who is a notorious criminal and murderer. And, and then say, you know they say, uh, Pilate says, who, who would you like us to release? And, and all the crowd uh, begin to condemn Jesus and say that Jesus should be crucified. This is what it says in, in verse 21. It says, which of these two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, "Crucify him!" Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, "Crucify him!" And when Pilate saw that he was going nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, "I am innocent of this man's blood." He said, "It is your responsibility." And all the people answered, "His blood is on our and our children. It is on us and our children." Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flocked and handed him over to be crucified. What a powerful story. What a powerful example. Here is an innocent man, yet bearing the image of a condemned man. Here Jesus for us becomes our sacrifice. Them them handing Jesus over to be crucified is this prophetic picture of Jesus, an innocent man, Standing as a condemned man. He's falsely condemned, take it on both our sin and our shame. Something he doesn't deserve. He he stands in front of a crowd, a crowd of people who then condemn him. Even though he's innocent, he has to stand in front of this crowd and take on not only the sin but also the shame. Imagine that feeling of being innocent yet standing in front of a crowd of people who condemn you to be guilty and shout and call for you to be crucified what a crazy picture a man named Stanley Grantz talks about how there are four consequences of our sin number one is alienation second is condemnation enslavement and depravity and in this text we see how Jesus is bearing our condemnation he's an innocent man again as I said bearing the image of a condemned man condemnation is a legal term it's a term that refers to a sentence or judgment which hangs over us, our sin, the, the the wrongdoing, condemnation says that we are guilty and therefore we should be punished. It says it in the Bible like this, in Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages or the payment, you know, if you, if you had a job, you would earn wages, it says that the wages or the payment for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's the thing, we're all in the same boat. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We're all sinners. we are all fallen short of God's standard. We're all condemned. Yet Jesus stands in our place, an innocent man, receiving our condemnation. You know, as I said before, we feel condemnation, that feeling of I'm guilty and therefore deserving of punishment as shame. We feel that shame, the feeling of if I'm exposed, if people find out. How are they going to see me? What are they going to think of me? Are they going to see me differently? And then that shame, it, it what it does is it causes us to hide. It causes us to cover up. It, it causes us to to put on a mask, not like a mask like you're wearing, but but a mask is in portraying something different because we don't want people to see who we really are. We don't want people to see our brokenness, our mess-ups. And I don't know if you're beginning to see the picture that I'm starting to paint in this journey that we we, we begin to take, you know, Shame always results in, in hiding. It causes us to hide. It tells us that if we're exposed, we, we begin, we'll be rejected. And so, so we hide behind social media profiles, right? We hide b- beside this false reality that we create or this false picture of ourselves that we portray, we hide between fake personas and facades where one, one person to these group of people and another to these group of people. We, we begin to hide who we are. We, we hide behind busyness, right? Just too busy. Sorry, I'm too busy. Can't hang out. I'm too busy. We hide behind jobs. Well, we, we hide behind our responsibilities. We, we hide behind sometimes our spouses and our children. We, well, we hide through isolation and distancing ourselves and separating ourselves. We we hide so that people won't really see the real us. Right. Right. Why? Because we're afraid that if they did, that they wouldn't accept us. Right. But you know, the truth is, is that we're all the same. Yeah. We're all like that. We're, we've all made mistakes. We're all, you know, none of us are perfect, but, but still we hide and all hiding is, is really the result of shame. You see, condemnation, it inflicts both the penalty, but also the pain. Right? It, 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 it inflicts the pain of feeling ashamed, feeling like we're not good enough. And, and the, the truth is is that not only does shame cause us to hide from others, from those we love, from our friends, from the people that we surround ourselves with, but it also causes us to hide from God. It causes us to hide, to hide from God, to, to run from God. The devil will use our sin, our mistakes to begin to produce guilt, begin to produce shame and begin to almost create like a curtain between us and God, like a separation, like a a distancing. And sin, it makes us pull away. It makes us pull away from church, right? It makes us pull away from our small group. It makes us pull away from our Christian friends. It makes us pull away from, from those that we care about simply so that we can hide and not allow people to really see who we are there's a really powerful story we see this played out right in the beginning of the bible actually in the book of genesis adam and eve they're in the garden of eden i'm gonna invite Keith to come up as i begin to close adam and eve are in the garden and um there's this perfect world right there's no sin says that Adam and Eve, they would walk with God in the cool of the day. They would just walk and, and and converse with Him face to face. And and then, you know, the only thing that they couldn't do, they had, you know, all these amazing trees that bore fruit and all these different things. And God said, you can only not eat from this one tree, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was kind of this test of, uh, you know, a, a test of obedience in some ways. And and then the serpent comes and convinces them that surely if you eat from this fruit, you'll, you'll not die, you'll, you'll actually be like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil and sure enough, they fall for the trick and they eat of the fruit. And suddenly it says that their eyes are open and they realize that they're naked and so they begin to create clothes uh, from leaves and they begin to hide. And this is what it says in, in Genesis chapter three, starting in verse eight, it says this, then... The man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord, called, the Lord God called the man, saying, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? You have eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from. I find this really interesting. I find it interesting that that God is here in the garden, right? And and He calls to them as if God didn't know where they were. Right? Like God is God, He's all knowing. He knows exactly where they are. He knows what's going on. And so He says to them, and He says, Where are you? Not a and I think it's more of a not a physical location, it's like a spiritual location. Where's your heart? What's going on? Why are you distanced from me? Why are you now hiding from me when once we spoke face to face? And I think it's this amazing, graceful picture where even though God knew where they were, He invites them to come back into relationship. Even though God knew exactly where they were, He invites them to come back into relationship. He invites them to confront the very thing that they've done wrong, to confess it to Him, to bring it forth, to bring it out of the surface, to stop the hiding and come into the open and be in relationship with God again. Isn't that a cool picture? To come just as you are, to receive forgiveness from your sin and to have your shame removed too. And I think it's the same invitation that God's extending tonight. There's some of us here tonight that, actually all of us at some point in our life have been hiding. More than hiding, sometimes we've been running (laughs) to cover up, to hide away, to not allow others to see and not allow God to see, even though He sees. And tonight God's extending that same invitation, saying, where are you? We are you? You know, the truth is, is that God knows you. He knows your mistakes. He knows your sin. He knows how you've been trying to hide. He knows the mask that you've been put on, but still He loves you. Still He cares for you. Still He wants to know you. Still He wants to forgive you. And tonight He's extending an invite saying, "We are you? Why don't you come back into relationship with me? And there's some of you that are here tonight and you know exactly what I've been talking about and you've been trying to hide. I want to invite you to come back to a relation with God. Some of you tonight, maybe this is your first time and you've, you've never started a relation with Jesus. This is kind of all new to you, but you kind of know that feeling inside of that shame, of that guilt, of that kind of trying to hide. Let me tell you, God doesn't design you to live that way. God wants to not only forgive you of your sin, but God wants to heal you from that shame. God wants to bring you into that freedom. I love what it says in the book of Revelation. It says that he stands at the door and knocks. Anybody who opens the door, will come in and have a meal with them. It's this picture of intimacy, sharing a meal together. But I think the thing about that door is that he's standing at the door knocking. He's not just barging in. If he's standing at the door knocking, it's up to us to step up to the door and open it, to invite him in. Another, tra- another uh, version or verse, sorry, says that... Uh, if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. I think it about it this way. if we take a step towards Him, that He'll take a step towards us. It's this picture of relationship, this picture of intimacy in it. I'd love to pray for three groups of people tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't have a relation with God at all. You've never walked with him. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here tonight and you once walked with God, but you've been kind of hiding. you've been kind of running maybe you're here tonight and you're kind of not really sure if you're a Christian or not. you kind of sitting here and you're not really sure. I'd love to pray for all three groups of people. I want to just help you start that conversation with God. Pray is simply that. Pray is a conversation with God. And I'd love to invite you to come back into relationship with Him. Is that cool? Why me we just close our eyes and bow our heads now? Just kind of focus on this moment. I'd love to pray for you. God, I just thank you, God. I thank you for each and every one of us here, God. I thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. I thank you that it's so much more than, God, we can understand, we can comprehend, and we can even begin to imagine. I thank you, Jesus, that on the cross, not only did you pay for the forgiveness of our sin, did you cover our condemnation, but God, you also bought our freedom from shame. Thank you, God, that you didn't design us to live with that weight of shame, God, you didn't design us to live swapping out masks. You didn't design us to, to live running and hiding. And I thank you, God, that tonight you're calling us into freedom. And so God, right now, I just wanna pray for those three groups of people. And if, if you're in any, any of those groups, I'm gonna pray a really simple prayer. And I wanna just invite you to, to pray them, pray these words along with me, just in your heart, just say them and mean them. And say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I recognize that the wages of my sin is death. But I thank you that your gift is eternal life. Jesus, would you come and heal me? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you free me of my shame? Today I choose to take off the mask. Today I choose to come into relationship with you would you be my lord? Would you be my savior? Would you make me brand new today? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.